0: Welcome to Main Menu for the 14th of October, 2016. This is your co-host Jason Castingway, and I'm talking quickly because I need to keep this short. The segment we have this week takes up the entire program, and we are continuing with part two from the Microsoft Ignite conference. Now we're talking accessibility in Office 365. Enjoy the program. Welcome
1: everyone, good afternoon. My name is Malvika, and I work for Office Marketing. And with me, I have David, who works for Office Engineering. Hi there. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for coming to learn about accessibility, for advocating for it in your organizations, and for doing your part to make digital environments more inclusive. While preparing for this talk, people told me, you have such an important topic, make sure you tell a personal story that makes people realize why this topic is so important, why they should advocate for it. So I said, sure, personal story. There's a lot of you I don't personally know, but I can probably think of a story that you can relate to. Think about the time when you were born. There are probably particular things about that time that happened that you didn't pick. Perhaps you were born in a certain country. Perhaps you were born with a certain gender. Perhaps you were born with something trivial, like a certain skin color. Now think about all the times in your life where you've been in environments where you felt not welcome or you felt not set up for success because of something you were born with or something you didn't quite choose. I can think of a time and I'm sure you can too. I think back to the time when I did theater growing up. I've been doing theater for a lot of years and I, I really like being on stage. I started when I was five and I've played a wide range of characters all the way from God to a dog. Directors tell me I have emotion, I have range. Directors really like casting me in lead roles. Everything's going great in my theater career. And then I turn 15, and I move countries. Suddenly, I'm the only person of my skin color and my accent in my new theater group. The new directors don't know what to do with me. None of the scripts are written for my skin color. The makeup team doesn't know what to do with me. Their makeup doesn't quite match my skin color. the the audience doesn't relate to me because the scripts are not written for diversity. They're written for a very minority type of audience. So the point I'm making is it doesn't matter how talented or experienced I might be. There are environments that are just not designed for diversity. I don't feel welcome in those environments. I don't feel set up for success. And those environments lose out on my talent. Now, theater was a hobby for me, but think about this. Every organization you work for is not designed for you. We live in an information world. We live in a digital age. It's really important for you to be able to check your email, visit a website, read a presentation. Now imagine, because of something you cannot control, you cannot see, or you cannot hear, or you cannot move. Can you do your job without being able to see, hear, or move? Are we designing digital environments in today's workplace, setting up people for success with their full range of talent and abilities and experiences? At Microsoft, the accessibility team wants to do their part to solve this challenge. We want to make sure we make digital experiences inclusive. But we need organizations to do their part as well. We need everyone to make sure that we're setting up people for success and not discriminating against them or not giving them equal opportunity because of something they cannot control. So that's what accessibility is about. And you might think, okay, it just impacts a small minority. Like, how many people in the world face these challenges? Well, first of all, it doesn't matter how many people it impacts. Even if it impacts one person, it's about equal opportunity. So that's, that's the first thing. It matters to a few people a lot, and that's enough reason to do it. But actually, it matters to a lot of people. A long life, you might get injured. You might have an accident. You might just be in a situation that puts you at a disability temporarily. Or you might want to work on the go. You might want to to drive and, and read an email or join a meeting. So the work we do to make digital environments accessible to people who cannot see, hear, read, touch, it absolutely benefits a wider audience. And that's another good reason to do it. So we can do a lot of work to make our technology experiences accessible. David can make Outlook accessible. But if you send an email and you use an infographic in that email solution, and you don't describe that infographic, technology can't help you. Someone who's blind will get that email and they will have no idea what's in it because you did not describe the image. So there's action that needs to be taken from everyone, whether it's an author writing a presentation, whether it's a producer creating a video, whether it's it's a designer creating slides. And that's another area where I think technology can relieve the burden. We can make it easy for you. We can suggest the right thing. But there's absolutely things we need employees in all organizations doing, and that's creating accessible content. It starts with awareness, and then it requires action. So today's session is the first step along that journey, and definitely we need action after this. The time for you to take action is now. Why? Because I think you're going to get a lot of support. If you start advocating for accessibility in your organizations now, it's highly likely that it's already on your CIO's radar, because he's getting probably legal pressure to to create a compliant and inclusive workplace probably more people are joining the workforce who have disabilities, and they're asking to be set up for success. So I think in the past few years, we've seen this transition in accessibility, from it being thought of as a bolt-on and something we'll deal with on an accommodation basis to something that's a must-have from the get-go. It has to be mainstream. It has to be integrated from day one. So I I do think, timing-wise, it's a good time to start thinking about accessibility and acting on it. And action-wise, I can assure you, you're not alone. You have Microsoft working to create more accessible solutions, as you have other vendors. And you have a lot of experts on accessibility who are creating really good material policies to help you. So if you embark on this journey of creating a more accessible workplace, there's a few benefits that that you can think of to justify the investment. The first is that you will likely boost everyone's efficiency. You'll make it possible for employees to do things independently, efficiently, without having to call someone for help. Something as simple as scheduling a meeting, or something as simple as dialing into a meeting. You might even make it easier for employees of all abilities to interact with each other. So you'll foster inclusive interactions, whether it's by making it easier to have meetings with captions. Technology might be able to help you with that. Or whether it's by just having presentations flowing around meetings to be more accessible. So the work we do in accessibility and the work you do will have the impact of boosting employee morale and connection. It might help you even simplify your IT environment. We're doing work to build in accessibility, not bolt it on. So as a result, it's possible your reliance on third-party add-ons, hacks you might have in place to make an environment accessible, the reliance on third parties might go down. We're also offering support services from Microsoft for accessibility. So it might be possible that our training documentation support services can help you simplify your IT environment. The last piece on a lot of people's mind is is certain laws that apply to them, whether it's um, laws and standards. WCAG in the U.S. you have Section 508. In Europe you have EN procurement standards. So from the get-go thinking about procuring accessible technology, deploying accessible technology, could reduce your legal risk and and reduce your expenditure in the long term, dealing with with fixes and responding to complaints. So there's definitely good reason to think about accessibility. And I want you now to think a little bit about how Office approaches accessibility. So I'm going to play a video from the folks in Redmond who work on this area and couldn't be here today, but they want you to know how, how they approach it. And after that we'll hand over to David who's going to tell you real life story from his years working in accessibility. So let's hear from Redmond first.
2: One of the things that really inspires me working in accessibility is that it's a really tough complicated space but It's a space where we're just, we're doing the right thing for our customers.
3: There's a long history of technology designed for people with disabilities that
4: have moved into mainstream and impact all of our lives. If we connect with the broadest possible audience, we not only make products that more people can use, we also just make better products. We call that inclusive design.
3: So inclusive design isn't really just some abstract idea about how to develop software. It really takes everyone working together and thinking clearly through
2: what we're going to build. And having people on your team who can use these tools and need these tools give us firsthand experience on what we can go and do. So having muscular dystrophy, I'm always looking for ways to make me more efficient. I really like the PowerPoint designer because it's kind of feels like it was designed just for me.
4: So one of the benefits, a surprising benefit, is it makes everybody a little bit better at design. Uh, But interestingly enough, from an accessibility standpoint, it makes it possible for people to do highly crafted presentations with very little interaction with the tools.
5: Working in Microsoft, I need to be able to consume information from a chart.
0: Data labels chart element point dairy value 600.5
5: and now i can do that with our own technology
0: Write the selected right brown selected right fox selected Q. tell me what you want
5: with tell me feature i can highlight my text in a certain color of my choice any blind person can do this now
4: I had an interesting personal experience when I first saw uh, the new learning features. Uh, I have a little bit of trouble with language. I'm a little bit dyslexic. And when I saw the way they broke up uh, the paragraph, when they broke up the page, I could read better, uh, and I had better comprehension.
2: I'm inspired by working on a technically challenging problem that ends up just helping people.
4: You know, I've been working on accessibility for several years now.
3: When I first started, it was a business problem. Our customers were asking for more accessible solutions. We had some challenges. But then I started meeting people, and I started realizing its impact on employment and their ability to communicate with loved ones. But I've come to realize that it has to be part of our culture. It has to be our lens to innovation. It's how we help everyone achieve more. Um, now, folks, feel <laughs> feel free to move closer too. I'll uh, I might treat this like a classroom and start start uh, picking on people who are who are too far away. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm David Gorelick. I'm a program manager in office on the Outlook team. Uh, I uh, so I'll. You know, um, I'll, tell, I'll tell my story as Malavika did. Uh, when I started in accessibility, I actually didn't know much about the space. Um, and so how I better, uh, went about uh, learning more is just by, by talking to people. And so one example was um, having dinner with a person who uh, happened to be blind. And I, I don't know by you know, raise your hands, how many people have done that? A few. <laughs> uh, uh, and it was uh, it, it was a very it was a very new experience. And so, how does you know how does that person find the restaurant? Well, the, uh, he was holding on to my hand, so I would I would guide I would guide him into the restaurant. Um, uh, how do you pick something on the menu? So the menu wasn't in braille, and so I ended up describing the menu and what was on it and specials. Um, how do you uh, how do you sign the check after when we when we split the check? And so I ended up actually signing the name for the person, because it's a piece of paper, and how do you do that? And so uh, talking back to you know Malavika's uh, story, the the environment is just not designed for the person. Now, I'm not in the restaurant business, and so I, I, I can't really do much about that outside of being frustrated and feeling like people should have an independent uh, experience in their world. But I do happen to work in office, um, and so uh, going back to you know, what, what I do day to day, I ended up talking to customers about, you know, take, take Outlook. Uh, what are the things that you know, bother you? And I went to a conference and there was a round table and eight people uh, sat at a time for you know hour uh, for, for two days and just gave it to me. Uh, what, are, what are the things you don't like about Outlook? Um, and the one that uh, was number one was the scheduling assistant. The scheduling assistant doesn't work. Uh, and how many people here uh, schedule a meeting using the scheduling assistant. So almost everyone. So imagine, imagine your manager says, hey, schedule some time with me this Friday uh, when I'm free. And then you actually need help. You need someone else to help you do that. How, how frustrating is that? So uh, we went about fixing that and a you know, 100 other things. And it's just, it's just one example. Uh, but trying to help people being dependent, trying to help uh, people be employed and productive. So let me talk a little bit more about that journey. This is an Office 365 discussion, but I just want to broaden it. It's really uh, this is a Microsoft conversation. This is us partnering closely with Windows. Uh, our entire organization is moving uh, in this direction and uh, there are four points I just want to make here. So you can, you can read the quote yourself, but one is driving culture change. And one of it is top down through Satya and the great support that he provides. And a lot of it is bottom up and just people becoming more aware about the space and thinking about it as they are designing features and, and talking to customers. Uh, second is making a sustained higher investment. So investing more and not, uh, not as a push, not as a six month stopgap, but investing more forever. Investing more to create a good experience. Uh, Third, uh, and this this seems really obvious after the fact, but bringing accessibility into our overall processes. So we know how to make good software. We know how to talk to customers. We know how to make great experiences. And so taking that uh, and applying it to accessibility, making sure accessibility is, as Malavika was talking about, a built in, uh, not a bolt on uh, something to do at the end. And then fourth is building relationships across the ecosystem. So talking to, again, talking to customers, talking to organizations, talking to uh, suppliers in the space, and just understanding what the space is and what the needs are. So as a company, we had an epiphany. Accessibility is about people. It's not about compliance. And I'll, I'll say it again. Accessibility is about people. It's not about compliance. It's a small change, but it really it changes everything. The way to get there, so accessibility requires a sustained investment, not sporadic surges. Uh, I can tell you this is the biggest investment that we've made in accessibility, uh, at least in the last twenty years. It's huge, uh, but it's not it's not going to have a lasting impact if we think about it as a as a surge, as something to, to pay, off the, you know, pay off the debt and then be done. Uh, it, is, it is a permanent investment, a permanent focus. It's part of understanding how to make software that is accessible and usable from the start. So I'll talk about our secret sauce. And I'm, I'm happy to share it. I, uh, the more people that follow this path, the better. And so the way, the way that we think about accessibility is part of our design. So when, when we started uh, uh, this work, when I started this work, the biggest focus was on the most widely used features. And that's, again, putting the customer uh, in the center. And so what are the things that people do in our products? What are the things that they care about the most? Uh, and focusing on those first. Working with focus groups. Uh, so. Imagine you build a feature, and you think you did a good job, but then did you really? And so we have a, we have a number of tools in Microsoft to figure that out. And so some of those are uh, testing approaches. And for, for accessibility, we actually uh, plugged into the Trusted Tester Program, and working with, uh, working with vendors, working with internal folks to test and make sure that uh, our products are accessible. But then we took another step and uh, included usability studies, and so talking to people with various disabilities, uh, having them try our products, and then give us feedback, and iterating on those to make sure that in the end they're good and they're usable, and it's something we can be proud of. The third one, again, pretty pretty simple, but actually uh, has made a tremendous difference, is a promise that our Uh, Office products and new features that come out and new products that come out are accessible from day one. And uh, part of that is also, uh, again, engaging the communities and bringing them into uh, uh, what we call dog food, our internal products, into first release, into insider programs. And uh, again, getting feedback really early so that we, we are, again, confident that when products ship, they ship accessible. And then the fourth anchor is the sustainable piece of getting and acting on customer feedback and having that loop uh ongoing and non-stop and we'll never be done we're never done for uh any other group we take our products we ship them we get feedback we get better and uh we are living in a new world where we're not shipping a box every three years we're shipping monthly some of our products ship weekly and so we have an opportunity to hear from customers, and then fix it the next week, the next month, uh, or soon after. And we're talking a lot about uh, usability, and that's where I have a passion, and I love the customer centricity part. I know folks in the room also wanna hear about compliance, (laughs) our favorite topic. Um, As we make our products usable, we're also making sure, of course, that they are compliant, and we are following the processes that we need to. Uh, On that front, I would say we're trying to be a bit more usable as well. And so we, uh, for all the organizations, we wanna enable organizations to make the right decisions uh, in in their procurement processes. Uh, And part of that is making sure that, so for one thing is Office 365 is compliant with the standards of uh, uh, Section 508, uh, EU, WCAG, uh, all of the various standards. Uh, But then the, the actual documents that we publish there are three things that we want to do to make sure that they're, that they're usable. One is comprehensive. And so pick a product within Office 365. And if you guys you, uh, have been here for three days, there, there are a lot of products. There are a lot of endpoints. Um, it's, it's, it's big. Office 365 is big. And so we want to be comprehensive. So pick a product. We can tell you about uh, its state of accessibility. Two is transparent. And so uh, some of our products are in better shape than others. Uh, it, It's a continuing evolving process. And so where we have gaps, we will share them out and we'll be honest about those. And again, every month as we ship, we will get better. And then the third one is making them accurate and up to date. And so as we ship, as we get better, then those documents will continue to evolve along with the products. Again, to help you make the right decisions. And uh, I can confidently say in in all our most circumstances, Office 365 will be that answer. Uh, versus, versus older versions like 2013 or 2010. Office 365 is the most accessible version of Office.
1: I think David give you a flavor of how we're approaching accessibility. And now we want to give you a flavor of what exactly we're doing that you can use today. And what, what's coming down the pipe in the next one to six months that, that you can leverage. So before we get into the specifics, I want to get a feel for the room. Who has Office 365 already in their organizations? OK, it's about half of of the audience. And of those who have it, how many are required to procure accessible technology? Or how many, OK, a smaller group? And how many of you in in the general room have people with disabilities in your organization? OK, I'm surprised not to see everyone's hands go up, because It's possible that people have invisible disabilities that you're not aware of. A great example is dyslexia. I think about 20% of the human population exhibits signs of dyslexia. And that's a pretty common disability that, that perhaps it doesn't come to your mind when you think of usability for people with disabilities. So when we think of investing in office every month and improving it every month, this is what we're doing. A, we're making sure it's usable for people with various abilities varying range of vision, hearing, sight, reading. And then B, making it really easy for authors to create accessible content, websites, emails, the whole gamut. So in the A bucket, I'm going to walk you through specific things that have happened in, in our technology to help people with dyslexia read and write more easily, to help users who cannot use a mouse. Perhaps they don't have the mobility range or the dexterity to use a mouse and they only use a keyboard or an on-screen keyboard, to be fully productive with just a keyboard. I'll also tell you a little bit about work we've done to make it easy for someone who uses speech to interact with their computer. So they don't have the mobility to use a keyboard or a mouse, but they use speech. Uh, Also, if people choose to personalize their machines using ease of access settings, a common one is high contrast mode on a PC, because people might have vision impairments that affect how they can see color. That's another one where Office has done work to make sure we honor those settings and, and we have a seamless experience when those settings are turned on. The last piece we'll show you is how someone who's blind and uses a screen reader to interact with their computer or their mobile devices, how they can be productive on their computers and on the go. For the other bucket, we'll show you how someone can create accessible content, even if they don't know how to get started. So if they don't know how to get started, the simplest thing they can do is check before they share their document, is it accessible? And for that, we have something called an accessibility checker that we're bringing to even more applications and platforms. Once someone checks the accessibility of their document, they should fix any errors that show up. So we'll show you the work we're doing to make it possible to fix errors. A common error that shows up is you used image to convey an important meaning, information, So you should describe that image using text so that someone who uses a screen reader and is blind can understand the meaning of your image. Or if you used audio like I'm doing right now to communicate content, we should have captions so that everyone who cannot hear can still follow my content. Lastly, if you create accessible content but then you export it and you want to share it with others, in the export process we should make sure that the accessibility information that you created goes along when you export, whether it's to PDF or to to other formats. So we have a lot to cover in a really short time. And we know some of you are experts and want to get into the details. Office 365 is really big, and every application on every platform is at a different level. So the way we've structured this presentation is to give you resources that you can take home and analyze in great detail. These resources look like this slide up here. Basically, we've told you exactly what we've already delivered in Office 365 and what's coming in the next one to six months. We've also highlighted this per application and per platform. So if some users are on PC, you know exactly what they're getting. If some are on mobile devices, you know that as well. So to take the example of enhancing productivity with dyslexia, there's an add-in that some of you might have heard of that's become pretty popular with special education teachers. It's called Learning Tools, and it's an add-in for OneNote for PCs. Anyone can install it for free, and we're going to demo it in a little bit. So that add-in has actually made it easier for students to read. Uh, I'm going to show you how it's done that. But with the success of that add-in, we've thought about integrating it into more of our products. So we're announcing today that going forward, in in the near future, we're going to offer learning tools capabilities in Word for PCs and Word Online, as well as in in the further future, we'll offer it on more web apps and mobile apps. We want people to not only read effectively with dyslexia, we also want you to write effectively. And for writing, one of the things that you might be doing is making spelling errors. You might be spelling phonetically. So an exciting change has happened in Word. Already this is available to you if you're on Office 365 Word for PCs or Outlook for PCs. If you type phonetically, previously maybe the spelling engine didn't give you suggestions because it couldn't understand the word you were typing. Now it will be able to understand because the engine is getting better and it's catching more diversity of errors. And I'm going to show you how it's actually going to help you choose the right suggestion. Because even if it gives you suggestions and you don't know which suggestion to pick, it's going to help you understand the suggestions and and make the right choice so you can can create content with perfect spelling. Uh, Going forward, we'll again extend this to to more applications in more surfaces and, and we'll make it better. So slides like this, we have quite a few, will explain how we're making it easy to use Office with a keyboard, how we're making it easy to use Office with speech input, how we're making it easy to use Office if you have ease of access settings, as well as with screen readers. And for screen readers, we've broken it down by PC, Mac, and web, and, and mobile apps. So through this presentation, we're going to show you demos of the highlights. And then this will be there as a resource for you to refer to later as well as during Q&A. The other bucket that we're going to talk about is how we're making it easy for you to create accessible content. In that example I gave you, if you're the one sending the email, it doesn't matter if Outlook is accessible if you sent an image in the email and you didn't describe your image. So what are we doing to make it possible, first, for you to describe images from every application on every platform? And secondly, what are we doing to make it really easy for you to get started if, if you don't know? Uh, One of the things we're announcing today is that we're exploring making it easier for you to describe images automatically by giving you suggestions. So in the future, in some of our applications, you're going to see suggestions come up. When you insert an image, you'll be prompted and you'll be told, look, you inserted an image. I think you should describe it. And then here's what I think the image is. Why don't you go ahead and edit that image? So we want to make it easy for you. We want to remind you to do the right thing. And we want to give you a head start in doing it. Another thing that's pretty important is to run an inclusive meeting, you want to make sure that you're able to have captions. If you're sharing content through videos, you want to be able to have captions. So one of the things you might have heard announced earlier this week was Skype meeting broadcast. In the future, we'll offer capabilities to give near real-time captions to audio. This is very useful for a scenario where you think of a large organization and the leader of an organization making an announcement. Maybe you have hundreds of thousands of employees. Every employee has the right to hear that announcement at the same time. Maybe everyone doesn't have an interpreter with them at the time. So if the meeting has near real-time captions, you're making it easier for everyone to get information at the same time. This technology is already being used in our consumer application for Skype as well. Some of you might have heard of Skype Translator. It's being integrated into Skype consumer. So at home today, if you have Skype consumer, you might actually be able to turn on Skype translator and try it. Have a call with someone who cannot hear, and try the real time captions. Another topic we spoke briefly about is if someone doesn't know how to even start authoring accessible content, they might want to just like a button, like a spell checker, have an accessibility checker. So we're going to show you what we have today and assure you that we're bringing it to more platforms, more applications in the near future. So let's get started with demos. The first one we said we'd show you was the free add-in for OneNote, which some of you might have heard of. It's called Learning Tools. How many people have tried this? OK, no one has tried it, so that's exciting. So my demo is a surprise. (laughs) Um, Here we have OneNote open and we have a lot of text to read so learning tools gets integrated into the ribbon and what i can do is get into immersive reader and the first thing you see is all of the crowding goes away all of the distractions go away i'm focused and i'm going to read this thing office
0: 365 office 365 is a subscription service that gives you access to the most up to date versions of office exp-
1: so it's able to read out things to me and simultaneously highlight the word that's being read out as well as the line being read out. So I focus on that, and I pay more attention. The other things it can do is actually change the font spacing and the text size. Some studies have shown that people with dyslexia find it easy to read six, sentence, uh, six words per, per line. So that's what, what you're seeing in this view. And we have some fonts that we use that, that are proven to be better for people with dyslexia. In, in Windows, we offer these fonts for free for you to use as well. Uh, we also let you customize the background. Some people find it easy to read uh, light text on dark background, but some people find it easy to read pastel colors. So those are the things that are available for free to anyone to, add as an, uh, to, to install as an add-in. And specifically for, I think, English language learners, there are additional capabilities that people are finding helpful when learning a new language. You can break big words into syllables. You can actually highlight parts of a sentence so so you focus on the sentence. So there's a lot in here, and the good news is that it's getting good feedback, and we're rapidly iterating to bring it to more applications. Let me show you an example of an application that that we're announcing we're bringing this to. So I mentioned briefly that Word for PCs, will get some Learning Tools capabilities in the near future. I'm giving you a first look at what those look like. So Word already has a read mode. You get into read mode and you're supposed to focus on what you're reading. You can now switch that to a narrow column view. So that's six words per sentence. That's that's what happens. You can switch the colors, uh, similar to what I showed you in Learning Tools. You can break words into syllables. And uh, best of all, you can read aloud. So so the feature I showed you where you play and the documents read out to you, all of that will be coming to Word for PCs in in the near future, as well as Word Online. Um, And then over time, we'll also bring it to OneNote Online and, and other applications. We don't just want you to read effectively. We also want you to write effectively. So I mentioned that the spelling team has done work. Let's see what that looks like. So in this particular email, this is a word where it's difficult to, to pick between suggestions. This is another word where it's useful to have the word read out to you, so you can understand what the word is. And there's another word there that in the past you would have not gotten a suggestion for, because the engine had no idea what it was. And now you're able to get a suggestion. So area, or contiguous or entrepreneur. Things like adding synonyms, things like adding the ability to hear a word read aloud really help with making the right choice, correcting spelling errors, and even learning new words, increasing your vocabulary. The other piece of work I mentioned we're doing is for someone who cannot use a mouse. Uh, If you use a keyboard or an on-screen keyboard, what are we doing to make you more productive? Well, the first thing we're doing is making sure every part of our application can be used with just a keyboard. Now, Now, that's a lot of work. And how you use something with just a keyboard, it could mean like you tab through a lot of controls. It could mean you use the arrow key. We also want to make you efficient, right? So so we've had keyboard shortcuts in a while for some of our apps, and and maybe a lot of power users out there know some of these keyboard shortcuts. We want to give you visual cues, if you can see, so you find it easy to find the shortcuts. So if you press Alt, you can see some of the, the shortcuts. We're bringing that capability to Office online as well. We also want you to be able to bypass all of this tabbing and just say what you want to do and it gets done. So some of you might be familiar with the tell me control. Has anyone used that in Office? Awesome, just very few people. So what it does is you press Alt plus Q and you just type what you want to do and it does it for you. And it remembers the command you type. So next time you can can find it easily. it's, it's pretty intuitive. So even if you don't remember the name of the exact command, you can kind of type what you want to do. It figures it out. And over time, they're expanding to give it more capabilities. Like You can say something like, um, highlight this line in yellow. So it's able to actually do complicated commands that deal with color. And if, if you're blind and you, you have difficulty picking out yellow from our controls, you can just say highlight in yellow, and it'll do it for you. So that's, that's pretty neat. It also helps you find help. So the help capabilities of Office are integrated within this. And the help capabilities include keyboard shortcuts. So if you are a power user who just uses a keyboard and wants to get quick access to the keyboard shortcuts, you can try searching for those through Tell Me.
3: All right, we'll keep going. Um, speech input. How, how many people have used uh, Dragon or Microsoft Speech Recognition? A few. When we think about speech input, the, the place where I think it's, uh, I'm guessing, let me, you know, how many people have used uh, Siri or Cortana or things like that? Yeah. So. Um, there's there's work that's being done to to improve speech recognition for, for uh, or speech to text for people who use it all day every day, uh, but we're also trying to make it more uh, more common and more frequent and, and help people out, and uh, we'll try something. I hope I hope it works. Um, but there's a, in lear- in the same learning tools there's a dictate button. I can press dictate and say, hi there. I'm so happy everyone made it today. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but we also wanted to try. You know, what if I? What if I'm watching a video? Um,
1: you can play the second one. That's fine.
3: Okay, we'll Go play it.
1: What did we start
2: talking about yesterday, guys? Happy Day! I am a resource special education teacher. I target groups of students who need intervention for either reading, language arts, or math. These are kids that struggle every day. And to watch them grow and learn and have All those right. aha moments. Oh, now I get it! All right. I'll stop it. so rewarding to me. Uh, it's tough, and it just it's makes tough to my do it heart in a big sore. room.
1: <laughs> it actually started late. So sometimes uh, I've seen some teachers use this for actually transcribing videos. So they turn it on first and then they turn on the video. And as the sentence goes on really quickly, the, the input is able to get context and correct the sentence over time. You see, yeah, and,
3: and you, you see you see, get better at with, you know, it hears a word, but then when it hears more words and sentences, it, it, it gets smarter. Um, but outside of, outside of big rooms, it's, it's, a, it's a cool trick to try, and you know, it's basically a live transcription of video, uh, which is amazing. I wish it worked better today. Um, let's see, we'll keep going, uh, so another. So then, the next area is uh, high contrast. Are folks familiar with high contrast? Did people? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's the the high and the high contrast means that. So let me show you. Uh, if someone has cataracts or a number of other uh, eye um, eye issues, this is what the ribbon would look like. So it's really faded, really hard to see. Uh, there's essentially not enough contrast in the menus and the controls to to figure out what to do, and so uh, c- high contrast mode takes takes those elements and says, well, whichever colors you prefer. So let's say uh, commands uh, are better for you in green. We'll make we'll put those in green, and the background will be black, and it's simplified. Uh, and so what we've done is created a consistent approach to if you're if you're in office and then you're using. Uh, various menus, you can go to high contrast mode and see much better. It may mean, still look fuzzy to you. When, when I look at the image in, in, at the bottom in high contrast mode, it still looks fuzzy to me, but it is so much better than the one at the top. And uh, we're not just doing this in Office desktop apps. We're also doing this online. And so uh, here's just a quick example from Excel Online. Uh, and again, to get to high contrast mode, just uh, when you're you know, using Cortana, just type in high contrast. It'll get you there. And then, so here, the background is now in black. Uh, You can see the rows that are selected. uh, The demo will circle around. You see the rows that are selected. You see the the selection area. You see the chart update. Uh, You see the entire screen go into a consistent framework. And so now, someone who who can see better because now things are, you know, there's a there's a bright green color and the background is black. Um, Now you can now you can work. Now you can use Excel online, and you know, for a lot of people, before they wouldn't be able to. Screen readers. How many people have used uh, used a screen reader? It's oh, not bad. Okay, um, it can be a little bit intimidating for folks who who, uh, who haven't tried it. Windows Enter uh, is uh, is the shortcut for for Narrator. I, I recommend everyone try it out. Uh, it's really the only the only way to get a sense of what that experience is like. Uh, and also, I'll give you a tip: Windows Enter also turns it off. But uh, in terms of the way that we, one sec. In terms of the way that we approach it, um, we we work with all uh, all of the various uh, screen reader companies, oh. and so we are partnering closely with Windows, obviously, to, to create a great experience with Narrator. But we're also working with third party companies like JAWS to to. Uh, create a great experience for you know, basically what our customers are using. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, when I'm talking about the scheduling assistant, I'll just try it out and I'll give, uh, give you a quick sense and let's see, let's see how well this works live.
0: IGNITE DEBRIEF, meeting window, IGNITE DEBRIEF, message editing, 0% vertically scrolled.
3: So this is, uh, I'm in Outlook, I'm in Calendar. Uh, Malavika and I tomorrow should have a conversation and debrief how IGNITE went. Um, and so in, in this meeting, I can press. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk about keyboarding a little bit as well, but the, the, when you're using a screen reader, it's really very much a combination of quick, efficient keyboard commands along with uh, the, the speech output. And so to get to the scheduling assistant, all you have to do is press Control-Tab. TAB. TAB. Look,
0: TAB. There we go. Meeting start date editing Friday, September 30th, 2016.
3: And so, uh, if you had used this product about a year ago, in the middle there is a there's a large surface area with various colors and, you know, blue is busy and white is free and it's it's complicated, it's hard. And so we're thinking, you know, how do you make this accessible? Uh, and so one way is if you go to a time
0: date picker button Tap meeting start time editing 10 a.m.
3: So let's go to 10:30.
0: Down there all at 10:30 a.m. selected. 10:30 a.m. selected. All attendees status, September 30th, 2016, 10.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. One conflict, Malvik David Gerlich, free, Malvik busy 10.30 a.m. to 10.45 a.m., tentative 10.45 a.m. to 11 a.m., Laura Harrington.
3: And so you get a sense, uh, you know, is there a conflict at that period of time, who is free, who is busy? Uh, and And to me, this is what an accessible experience is like. We replicated the surface, and now you can peck around, and, you know, 10.30, we can listen to... What does 11 o'clock look like? What about 11.30 or 12? And keep going. Uh, but we also wanted to introduce some things that uh, make this quick, because you don't want to spend two hours scheduling a meeting going from time to time. And we know how busy people's calendars are. Um, so there's also an option for auto-pick. It's basically, why don't you just give me the next time that's free? Um, and so
0: you can tab. Meeting and date, date. meeting and ta- all attendees, status, tab, add attendees, Tap. add room, tab, options button. So all go to page. options. Space, menu, menu. menu. Menu, down arrow.
3: Go
0: to Down auto arrow. Pick. Auto pick, collapsed. Menu item, menu key, space. All space. people and resources, enter. Ignite enter. debrief, meeting window. Option, ignite debrief, meeting window. All attendees status, September 30th, 2016, 3 p.m. to 330 p.m. Zero conflicts. David Erlich, free. Mob Kariwari, free. Laura Harry. There Harrington, we go. And now, free, that's the text, next time the status, at,
3: and we can menu. schedule it. So, I, in, uh, you know, it's. There's an accessibility experience of just replicating the experience. And then there's, they're trying to find ways of, how do we get people to be efficient? How do we get people to be able to uh, work quickly in their day-to-day lives?
1: OK, so hopefully that gives you a flavor for the variety of work happening in a variety of apps to make it usable Windows, for people enter, with disabilities. Narrator. Now let's just switch gears a little bit and talk about the work I mentioned to make it easier for authors to create accessible content. So I mentioned, how many of you have used Accessibility Checker? Very few people know it even exists. So the first thing is to to make it more discoverable. And now, if, if you can see the screen, you can see next to the Review tab, next to Spelling, where you expect things to be when you're in the review process, you see this thing called Check Accessibility. So that's the first thing we're doing, making it more discoverable and offering it in more applications. It used to only be in Word, Excel, PowerPoint for PCs. Now we also have it in Word, Excel, PowerPoint for Mac. And going forward, we're going to have it in in Office Online and in more applications like Outlook and OneNote. So that's the first place to start. If someone in your organization knows nothing about accessibility or about creating accessible content, have them get started from here. Go to Review tab, just click a button, see, I mean, is your content even accessible? So what this button does is it scans your documents and gives you errors. that that people with disabilities are likely to face issues with your documents if you don't fix these errors. So I mentioned a common error that comes up is, look, you're using images or charts or something visual to convey meaning, but you haven't described that visual thing. So the simple way to describe a visual thing is to add alternative text. So in this workflow, okay, you run the checker, you get the error, you figure out how to add alternative text. Takes a little time. We thought maybe we can can improve this process for you. So I want to show you what some of the newer apps have done. This is Sway, and you're creating a newsletter. You're running the accessibility checker. And in Flow, it's telling you to review the alt text. It's taking you right there and letting you edit it. So it's not just telling you the error, but it's also giving you the ability to fix the error in Flow. It's also doing one more thing. When you create a Sway and you pull in images from, from other places, If the image is on your desktop, it has a file name, it's pulling in the image file name. If it's from an online source, it's it's pulling in pre-populated information about the image that it has. So that, okay gives you a little bit of head start. But we thought we could do even better. What if computer vision can help you recognize an image? Wouldn't it be helpful if, if we gave you a suggestion? So that's exactly what we're trying to do. And a few applications are trying this right now. It's not available publicly, and you're one of the first people to actually see, see one of the plans that they have. So in PowerPoint, if here I'm, I'm building a presentation about Wall Street, and I start off with a nice image to just introduce my presentation. I pull in, pull in the Wall Street sign. So what PowerPoint does is it actually gives me a tiny icon that says automatic image description. A description of this image has been created for you. Click it to review it. So in my flow of creating my presentation and adding an image, I'm getting alerted about alt text. Not only alerted, but also given a suggestion. So my computer algorithm, where it can identify images with high confidence, it gives me a suggestion. So it says it's a close up of a street sign in front of a building. Uh, It does okay, but I think I can do better. So I can go ahead and edit this. And then to make the algorithm better for everyone, if I'm open to donating my picture and alt text back for science, I also have the option to donate it and make the algorithm better for everyone. So this is one of the things we're playing around with to make it easy and reduce the burden on authors to create accessible content. So in a rapid amount of time, I think we've gone over some examples of demos. And you're probably wondering, okay, there's so many applications, so much going on, how do I keep up? So one of the things I want to call out is that we've started this new blog series. So on blogs.office.com, and I've created a, a link for you so you can find it easily. But every quarter, we like to tell you what's happening with accessibility in Office 365. What are we doing to make it easy for people with disabilities to use Office? And what are we doing to make it easy for authors to create accessible content? Our documentation team is doing a ton of work to make it really easy for people to get started with Office if they use assistive technology, if they need keyboard shortcuts, if they need to, to get a step-by-step process of how to create an accessible document. And they've created a hub for you. So if you just give this link to an employee in your organization who wants to learn more, right from that hub they can get the, the articles they need about the product they want. We know decision makers like to see the product and it performing with assistive technology to believe that this actually works. So we've created a short demo series where where you can see videos of Office 365 and some of the recent work we've done with keyboards and screen readers and high contrast mode. Lastly, we also know that to, to procure an accessible technology, you need conformance documentation. Some of you are required to get conformance statements and and know how we conform to to the standards of WCAG 2.0 or EN 301549 or US Section 508. So we prepare conformance documents, and we've created new sites that that you can find these documents easily at. Office 365 does update monthly, so we're going to put in an effort to to update these documents as material changes happen. we're also going to go a little deeper later in the week. So those of you who are interested in this topic and want to, to get your hands to more information, there's a SharePoint session happening on Friday where Melissa is going to walk you through how they approached making SharePoint online accessible. And maybe some of the best practices that, that they learned can be useful for you if you develop websites and your organization has challenges making accessible websites. We also have uh, some customers who've worked in the accessibility space for a while, who are going to share best practices from their organization's perspective in implementing Section 508 or creating a more accessible workplace. These customers are from a mix of organizations, university, government, schools. So they're dealing with adults, they're dealing with children, they're dealing with, with employees, with customers, and you're going to hear some of their strategies. That's happening tomorrow in the afternoon. We've created a new website, so all these links I'm giving you, you can get from one place. So if you remember nothing else, you can remember microsoft.com accessibility. We also have a very active Twitter presence, so if you want to learn more about this space, you'll, you'll get news by following this handle, msft enable. And lastly, I don't know how many people know this, but Microsoft offers free support for people with disabilities. So you, you have hotlines that you can call. You have uh, ASL video chats that you can get if an employee with disability in your organization wants technical help, that's called Disability Answer Desk. For enterprises, uh, maybe compliance officers, decision makers, if you're looking to get information, you can email the service called Enterprise Disability Answer Desk, and and they'll look at your request and try to give enterprises information. So we've We've spoken a lot about how we're approaching accessibility and and what we're doing to make technology more accessible. But I wanted to make it real for you. Like, What's the impact of all this? So I want to play a short video and show you from from an end user's point of view how accessibility can change your life. Let's play it and I'll talk a little bit more about it. What did we start talking about yesterday, guys?
2: I am a resource special education teacher. I target groups of students who need intervention for either reading, language arts, or math. These are kids that struggle every day. And to watch them grow and learn and have those aha moments. Oh now I get it. Is so rewarding to me and it just makes my heart soar. We have ADHD, dyslexia, dysgraphia. I have a student who reads on a third grade level, but then I have a student who reads on a kindergarten level, and I have to find a way to bridge the gap. We've been using OneNote since the beginning of this school year. Even in this short amount of time that we've had it, it's been completely transformational. When we first started using OneNote, I thought, okay, this is gonna take us a while to get going, and you know, we're gonna have to learn how to use it. Mm-mm. Three days. It took them three days to master OneNote. I have a dyslexic student. He's also dysgraphic. He still reads on a kindergarten level. You know, he's 10 years old, he's still learning sight words. And, you know, he would tell me all the time that he was stupid. When we started this school year, he read four words per minute. For the longest time, I struggled with how to help him. And when we got the learning tools with the immersive reader, he went to 22 words per minute. I never thought in one calendar school year that we would even get into double digits and he's at 22 words per minute, and he stayed there. My students especially, it's really transformed their educational experience. I don't know what next year will look like. I don't know what our possibilities are because in my wildest dreams, I never thought this would be what it is. You know, the sky's the limit.
1: So I really like this story because it encapsulates what someone feels when they're in an environment that's not designed for them. You have a student with dyslexia feeling stupid, and no one should feel stupid. And you give them the right technology, and then suddenly they're able to do their life's work, they're able to read, they're able to express themselves. So so technology really has the power to unlock talent, to give equal opportunity, and that's what accessibility is about. Um, If if you find videos like this helpful, we have a few more that, that we've put in the resource guide for you. Uh, Some people really want to know about Windows 10 and accessibility in Windows 10. So there's a nice summary, a 10-minute video that you can watch to learn everything about the anniversary update. Uh, Some people just want to know, what what are these regulations? What do they mean? So EN 301549 is one of the newest regulations that's gaining popularity in Europe, Australia. And that's a short video you can watch to just just wrap your head around what it means. Uh, Many people ask, like, What exactly goes into creating an accessible document? Now each agency in the government might have different rules. So this video series is from the perspective of a government employee. What are they required to do to make sure that they're being compliant with government regulation when creating documents? And then we have other stories. For example, uh, newer products like Skype Translator, which gives near real-time caption. The impact it's having on a student who is deaf or hard of hearing. pulled into mainstream classrooms. They're being part of mainstream experiences, hallway conversations. So I wouldn't underestimate the power of technology when it comes to really helping people, and, and compliance as well, but mostly helping people. So, so with that, that's all the content we have for you. But we have a lot of resources. And if you ask us questions, we're going to pull up the resource slide. So I'd like to shift to Q&A. Any brave first <laughs> For questions? Do you mind using the mic? Oh, sure. I uh, probably don't need to, I'm pretty loud. So, <laughs> captions I said, I and. <laughs>
5: the um, so, my question is um, I work at Lamarck College in Vermont. We're a specialty college for students with learning differences, so, our entire population um, feels out of place. So, what what would you encourage us to do? We're using Office 365, but we have a hard time bringing our faculty into the what tools. You know, you should be using these tools, and and we can say that we're in IT, um, but they're always like IT is always trying to cram something down our throats. So, what do you suggest? I mean, we we have tools. We you know we're using Kurzweil, we're using Dragon, we were using Inspiration, we use Xmind, You know, we use some of the built-in features. Now they think iPads are the way to go. I mean. Yeah. I feel like we're shifting all over the place, yeah. and I feel like there's a lot here. I'm just not sure how to get people really excited about it, right. which is why we're here.
1: Right. So actually, I didn't mention this, but the video I just showed you, Lauren is a special education teacher, and she's going to be here tomorrow as part of the customer mm-hmm. panel. Awesome. So I think she's a great resource. She actually advocated for her classroom to get surfaces as an example. Great. And then she's been able to have some luck getting OneNote. So, Part of it, I think the customers will be able to speak to resourcefulness and getting executive buy-in. From the technology side of it, I think one thing from the office team will say everyone needs to do is be on office first release. Because any, any innovation I show you, if you're on office first release, you're the first to get it. So if you have a student with dyslexia and they want the benefit of learning tools or they want the benefit of the spelling checker enhancements, if you're able to get them on first release, they're going to get it really quickly. So, so that's something I think you can control as an IT administrator. Right. And uh, do you want to add to that answer? No, I think
3: I think that's good. I, I you know, the, the the other part of it, I think, is, um, I think the truth is in the experience. And so, if if uh, if teachers try this out, if students like it, which we we think they will, uh, then you don't have to push uh, as IT. I think it'll be more of a pull model. So.
5: It's an interesting environment up there, um, and we've really struggled with this. You know, everybody has their own idea. I, I, everybody that's in education can probably speak to faculty, and the you know this is what I do, and this is what I'm going to use. And so sometimes it's more difficult than you might think to get them really jazzed up about something that we think is awesome. Like we're using it, we're like, oh my god, it's great. You know, I mean, I can read and I can write and I'll do all those things, but I'm still using the tools. Like I love them and. So it's getting them to that point of driving their students there is just something that but
1: I have to say I love what teachers are putting in to make it easier for
2: students to make things. Oh yeah. Because that that's in your face then, you know, it's but easily. And that that's what they need. I mean, if you can
1: that far first. that's gonna go a long way. That's what I was thinking, like the more we build it in, the more it's free. So it's not like an add-in or not something you need to purchase as from a third party or from us. I think that that should help. You do. i it right. for you if you don't like what I said, here
5: and Right. Great. Thank and
1: you'll hear more examples of SharePoint thinking the same way, and, and you'll see examples come up in, in different applications, OneNote definitely being one of them, Sway being one of them. Yeah.
5: I'll make sure I get the session.
1: Thank
3: you. you. Do you you know what time it is?
1: Um, I think we're at one hour. So we can hang around here, and if people want to come up and ask questions, please do give us feedback. This is the first time we're talking about Office 365 accessibility to this audience. So if there's more you want to hear, less you want to hear, let us know, and we'll iterate. Thank you so much.